0: Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Episode 205 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by FreshBooks and by Gusto. FreshBooks offering a free 30-day trial with access to all their features. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll, benefits, and HR for the modern small business. Currently offering an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Um uh-huh.
1: It's important to not just be a problem identifier, it's important to be a solution provider. And that means going above and beyond.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. I am Jeff Brown. And I believe that if you desire to achieve any sort of true, honest to goodness success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading has to be a part of that process. The Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this important reading list, but bring you key ideas and valuable insights from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Now, today you might say we get double the ideas and insights as in a moment, you and I get to sit down with both Paula Brown Stafford and Lisa T Grimes. They are the co-authors of a brand new book out today called Remember Who You Are, Achieve Success, Create Balance experience fulfillment i'll ask paula and lisa to share about among other things what women and men need to know about success balance and fulfillment how humility and confidence combine to bring out your authentic leadership how to leverage adversity to your advantage and plenty more in fact paula and lisa are offering a copy of their brand new book to give away so if you'd like your chance to grab a free copy of the book stick around to the end of the show for details this time of year you tend to find yourself trying to dig your way out from underneath a pile of, of paperwork and, and spreadsheets and receipts, uh, do yourself a huge favor and, and stop digging. Before you completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork, uh, go and check out FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. It's the software I use and have uh, for about nine years now. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, FreshBooks might actually change the way you think about dealing with things like your taxes. If things like getting together what should be simple summaries, like, say, a profit loss summary uh, for your accountant or or bank, leave you pulling your hair out. And the good news is FreshBooks comes along and generates these reports in seconds instead of what could be hours if you were doing them manually. It's really easy to use and made for people, especially for people who don't like working or dealing with numbers or with taxes. That would be me for sure. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial with no limitations on the features you have access to. If you'd like to claim that, you go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us?" section that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead and if you're still using some of those old school payroll providers you may have already come to the conclusion that they just aren't built for the way you and I work today Gusto makes things like payroll a breeze. In fact, 9 out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. Most small businesses don't have an HR expert. Mine certainly doesn't. But you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business and not payroll and more paperwork. Gusto is supporting Read to Lead by offering a limited time deal. You sign up today and you get three months free once you've run your first payroll. All you need to do is go to gusto.com slash read to lead. That's gusto, G-U-S-T-O dot slash read to lead. Paula Brown Stafford is a clinical research expert, business leader, and lecturer. She's a distinguished alumna of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where she is also an adjunct professor. Previously, she was president of clinical development at Quintiles IMS, a Fortune 500 company. Lisa T. Grimes is a business leader, coach, and speaker. She has spent most of the last 30 years in healthcare and lifestyle startups, where she has served as CEO of PureThread Technologies, Insight Clinical Trials, and Accenture. She loves to connect people and Often does so through her work with nonprofit organizations. Together, Paula and Lisa founded Haberjan to help women achieve success, create balance, and experience fulfillment. They're dedicated to giving back and are even donating a portion of all proceeds from book sales to some of their favorite charities. Their new book out today is called "Remember Who You Are: Achieve Success, Create Balance, Experience Fulfillment." Paula, Lisa, excited to have you. Welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast.
2: Thanks. Thank you, Jeff. We're glad to be here.
0: Well, as successful executives with a passion for impacting other women, it's no surprise that much of Paula and Lisa's book's content is specifically directed at women in the workplace. However, Paula, I'm going to call you out on this one. Why should men pay special attention to today's conversation?
2: We believe, after writing the book mainly for women, that men as well are looking to achieve success create balance in their lives and experience fulfillment. And we do believe that uh, men and women are uniquely different and that we need to take advantage of those differences um, and reap the benefits uh, for ourselves and for our organizations. And as we've had a number of men read the book, uh, advanced copies, uh, as they've read it, they've said, wow, I can get something from this too. Um, Because a lot of our examples, even though they're written from a woman's perspective, they are highly applicable to men as well. Again, around the success, balance, fulfillment, the trifecta that women want,
1: but men are looking for as well. Right. Just helping men better understand the women they
0: work with. Uh, and not just the women they work with, but the the women in their lives, uh, period, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, as hard as it might be to believe, Paula and Lisa were not always friends. There was actually a time when when they considered each other um, maybe almost enemies. I don't know if maybe enemies is too strong a word. Lisa, describe your initial relationship with Paula and the events that began to, to kind of turn that around for the two of you.
1: Well, we probably weren't described as enemies, but we certainly were described as bitter rivals and fierce competitors, and we did not particularly care for each other. We happened to have the same job which was being in charge of sales for two head to head competitors in the drug development industry. So we did not care to see each other in the <laughs> lobby of a client's building because we were going after the same book of business, the same multi million dollar contracts. And it was after years of doing that, we certainly had a healthy respect for each other, but you would not have called us friends. And several Several years passed, and this gentleman that we both knew continued to say, Lisa, you need to meet Paula. Paula, you need to meet Lisa. (laughs) So we finally both consented in 2002 and agreed to a luncheon, and he did not show up. So there the two of us (laughs) sat in a restaurant facing each other, and he had continued to say, you two will complete each other's sentences. And about 15 minutes into the luncheon, we
2: were completing each other's sentences, and as you can know, we haven't stopped since.
0: <laughs> now, I, I, reading this in the book, I didn't realize the gentleman who introduced you uh, did not show up for that meeting. Just left no. it. To, that's great. <laughs>
2: that's crazy. We were on our own to uh, let the claws attract.
0: Oh, that's funny. Well, well, the book begins by, by diving into uh, personal brand building. Paula, what are, what are some of the key ingredients to brand building that, that you've learned to value over the years?
2: Yes, it was only when I was in my mid-30s that someone mentioned brand to me. And then it became very important to me in evolving even my leadership style after that. And so I think it's first is finding your brand Mm. and understanding. A lot of that comes with self-awareness. Who are you and who do you want to be? And sometimes that entails asking others who you want to be, if you will, when you grow up and then owning that, uh, owning it and living with it and understanding that you can tweak a brand, but you really don't want to change your brand because your brand should be who you are. Mm. And that's where we start in the book is with your brand Um, And understanding what it is and trying to then live by that
1: brand as you go throughout your career and your personal life. Yes, and living it out every day. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And we've
1: worked with clients and helping them even to go so far as we each have our own one-word brand. Right. We started with longer ones, and then
2: they got shorter through the years. And now uh, we each have a one-word brand that we've come down to.
0: Oh, what is that for each of you?
2: So mine is Serve. Mine is Connect. And I connect through serving, and Lisa serves through connecting. So it is really interesting that we are so similar. We have the same values, but how we do things is different. And so it came to, to find that I serve and therefore connect, and she connects and therefore serves.
0: No wonder you started your own consulting firm together. You complement each other so well, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, Lisa, talk about the the concept you guys call in the book delivering X plus and and why it's so important to to understand this.
1: Well, we believe that in our personal lives and certainly in our professional lives, it's important to not just be a problem identifier. It's important to be a solution provider. And that means going above and beyond. It's giving 110%. If you're asked to write a draft of a document, well, don't just hand in the draft. Review it, try to at least clean it up. You know, go that extra one mile, and it doesn't mean that you we're not saying work 80 hours a week, we're just saying when you're asked to do something, if you know that one next step that might be helpful to someone, be willing to do it. And there are plenty of ways that we talk about that You know, we're not stepping on others' toes, not trying to do someone else's job, but we all can think of people, I'm sure that are the ones that are willing to just go that extra step. And we also mean seizing the moment to differentiate yourself. And that's part of of delivering X plus two. If you're out making a sales call, What's your unique calling card? What will people remember you by? One of the things we talked about in the book, we we do have different calling cards, and I'll let Paula tell hers in just a second, but mine over the years came to be hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And people knew, not only did my team know, but our clients knew. And when I would get to a client company for a presentation, There'd be bottles of hot sauce lined up with spoons so we could see how hot of a hot sauce can Lisa eat today. And having a little bit of a competitive nature, Lisa ate the hot sauce. Paula's was a little tamer. (laughs) Well, I was going to say,
2: maybe they should buy the book to find out what mine is. Okay, well, there you go. uh, Mine has to do with sweets Mm. and not. (laughs)
0: Sauce, so. <laughs> love it. Well, I, I, I am uh, an aficionado of, of both. Uh, I, won't, I won't give yours away, Paula. Uh, but uh, yeah, hot sauce is high on my list. I've never tried hot sauce on, on your love, though, Paula, though I, I may someday try that. That would be kind of weird. Oh, but... <laughs> I haven't <laughs> done either. that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, authentic leadership means, according to, to Paula and Lisa, among other things, effectively navigating both humility and confidence. Paula, how, how can we effectively achieve both? both at the same time.
2: Well, and, uh, you know, it's a tough one. It really does start with building your own confidence. And some of that confidence comes through knowing who you are, building your brand, evolving that and being confident in who you are, because none of us are perfect. And we need to understand what our strengths are, understand what our weaknesses are, try to tweak them but know how to also overcome them and how to use them, utilize them to our advantages. And in terms of the humility, I believe as you move into leadership, that it's really about people and it's not people over power, or it is people over power, it's not power over people. Mm. And we're both a big fan of the book Good to Great by Mm. Jim Collins, written in the early 2000s, and it's still relevant today, although some of the businesses, people might not recall some of them because there's a few of them that are out of business Mm. now. And it talks about level five leadership, really most big corporations, you could call them level three, level four, but good companies become great when they have a level five leader. And that level five leader is a confident leader, but is a leader with humility who puts their people above their power and showing that humility, you connect with your employees and you develop a relationship that will push you through tough times. um, As an organization, Um, someone with humility owns their mistakes. And that's uh, being confident. It's being confident in who you are and knowing that mistakes might be made, but it's moving on beyond them and not having them paralyze you from moving forward. So I think uh, to achieve both, you start with confidence and then you put your people first and you have a level of humility um, as you, you
1: lead others. I agree with everything she said. And I think if you can be vulnerable as a leader, then you give your team freedom Hmm. to also be vulnerable. It's part of that just being authentic, being humble, and being transparent. And I think that that all goes together and helps those around you to lead the same way.
0: Well, it would surprise no one uh, for me to say that that professional women are often the ones also uh, running things back home. Uh, They're often the ones preparing the meals, making sure the kids get where they need to be and prodding husbands to offer to pitch in rather than waiting to be asked, he said from personal experience. Uh, Lisa, how do you manage your to-do list? Is it safe to assume there's a whole lot of multitasking going on?
1: Loaded, loaded questions there, Jeff. (laughs) um, Yes to lots of multitasking. I would say to that particular question, what I've learned over the years, I mean, we Certainly, there are times when we should not multitask, Mm. now being one of them, because we need to focus on talking to you. So we are sitting here talking to you. But there are times when I clearly multitask, and I think it's an efficient multitasking. A couple of the quick examples. I do enjoy getting my Fitbit steps in each day and I'm rather competitive with myself over it. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. One of us does win that competition on most days. I I won't say which one, but um, we often walk and talk and so we're getting our steps in but we're brainstorming, we're talking about points that we'll make in an upcoming keynote address or something like that. And then It's, you know, nothing for me at an evening to be cooking dinner and have a load of laundry on and put my headset on and call to check on my mom while I might be responding to emails or doing something else. So I think finding ways that you can multitask while you can efficiently get some things off your to-do list is is very important. And again, if you do something that I call doesn't require a lot of focus, you can get a lot done. I'd say secondly, I've learned over the years to really prioritize my to-do list. And we talk a lot about that in the book Mm. and really finding a method that you can sit down and prioritize your items because not everything on our to-do list has the same level of importance. And so often speaking from personal experience, a mile long to-do list can almost feel like it's suffocating and you can just feel like, how am I ever going to get everything done? So we suggest prioritizing, and we also suggest if there are things on your to-do list that can be done in a month, we'll note it on your calendar so that in a month you'll get to it. Mm. If there are things that you can combine, combine, and then delegate, there are lots of things that over the years we have learned to delegate, and that helps with the to-do list.
0: Mm, Yeah, and it's it's important to recognize what not to do, right? Uh, I think it's ultimately what you're saying, is it is what to do.
1: Yes, Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, related to that, Lisa, share your insights on on maintaining control over your calendar. To dos are, are one thing, but what about the calendar? How are you able to to make that all work? Are you are you scheduling everything?
1: No. We um have to say no right. and we have to say no and not feel guilty about saying mm-hmm. no, because when we say no to something, it gives us opportunities to better fulfill all of the places where we can say yes. And so I think it, again, goes back to control over our um, calendars really becomes another matter of what our priorities are and saying yes to those priorities. Because at the end of the day, it's almost like the reverse of that, Jeff. If we look at our calendars Mm -hmm. over a period of time, we can see what our priorities were and they might not be what we think they are or what we want them to be. Mm. So we have to protect our personal time and
2: we're both pretty, pretty good at that. Lisa has, uh, you know, done much better than i have for years in terms of protecting her her weekend whether you put an hour a day on your calendar that's either for lunch or for a break or it's think time you really need whether you're in business or you're not in business and you just need to set aside time that is you time quiet time think time whatever you want to call it but the calendar you know when you go Eight to five and you have a, an appointment every hour on the air hour or even to the half hours and you're booking them, you've got to book some time for you. Otherwise, you're going to, from meeting to meeting and how can you contribute? You never have time to review anything or prepare anything. And so you've got to leave time in there. And, and I found this the hard way. I was just going to so many meetings. And I would get there and think, what is this meeting even about? And I wasn't prepared. So I had to start putting time on my calendar to prepare for meetings.
0: And that echoes something uh, uh, last week's. Guest Jeff Sanders uh, said he's the author of a book called The Free Time Formula, and he used to schedule on his on his calendar and in conjunction with his to do list, you know, eight hours worth of work a day. He says he doesn't do that anymore. It's more like four hours worth of work uh, because he also needs to have that that think time and and just to allow for the inevitable things that that, that are unplanned that that, that uh, impact the day for sure. Well, a, a sensitive topic for 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 many professional women, especially uh, mothers, is is the potential issues of guilt and worry Paula address if you would some some methods for for conquering these two concerns
2: yeah, I think that's something that we, we both had to deal with, having um, two children, uh, each of us had two, and both of us career women. And there were times when, you know, I would start to feel feel guilty about missing the kindergarten graduation. But, you know, really, we handled it in those uh, examples by, I I had a very supportive, I have a very supportive spouse, and you He would record the event and we would get home and then we would watch it with my son and we wouldn't talk about the fact that I wasn't there. We would just talk about the graduation. Hmm. So we didn't make it an issue. And so we didn't make it be a guilt thing. And so we talk in the book about true guilt versus false guilt. And sometimes uh, we put false guilt on ourselves and it, it is what we decide to call it. And if we call it guilty and say to our, our children or our spouses, Oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so badly and I feel really guilty that I wasn't there. Then that guilt is on us. And uh, we talk about some different balls that we juggle. And that is a lead weight that just brings you down and is hard to get back up. Once you say, and you, you begin that. So it's uh, setting the priorities that Lisa talked about. And knowing we're not going to feel guilty about because this is a priority that we've chosen in life and how we are going to live and what we are going to do and not do i you know i didn't feel guilty about not doing the laundry in the house it was something i delegated outside because it was something that i could you know give up but there there is true guilt in terms of hurting someone's feelings and saying the wrong thing and Mm. um, you know we need to let those things go but we were guilty of saying something wrong. We were guilty of, uh, you know, acting in an improper way. And that is true guilt. And we need to move on from that. But we need to separate the true from the false.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing well said, Paula, that, you know, if we do something that's wrong, we should feel guilty. But how many hours can get wasted on, I feel guilty because I miss this. Well, or I feel guilty because I was the only mom not at the school end of year luncheon or fill in the blank. And we have to go back to our priorities and not accept that false guilt.
0: Hmm. There is a heading in chapter seven that when I saw it, I kind of had this, this thought of this is something I think a lot of people think, but very few people are brave enough to say. And, and that heading is women are women's worst enemies. So if that's true, Lisa, what can be done to to bring about change?
1: Well, we think being vulnerable with other women, we think having the difficult conversations, we think supporting other women. So often, certainly for women our age who have been in the, the workforce for more than three decades now, there were all too often that kind of one woman's going to get the next promotion. And way too often the claws came out and was like, well, if one woman's standing, that woman's going to be the one to get it. And women we have found are much more satisfied when we support each other, when we encourage each other, and when we do, as Paula said earlier, withdraw the claws, pull back in the fangs, and really set out to complement other women rather than competing with other women. Right. And this is International
2: Women's Week. They're, the theme for International Women's Week is uh, Press for Progress. And the progress that we want to emphasize is women complementing with an E and with an I. So we can um, complement and work well with other women as opposed to working against them. And we can complement other women and say, that you did a nice job on something, you have a nice dress on. So there are both complimenting that we should do um, to, to make more progress um, as women.
0: I think you, you guys are obviously a great example of, of practicing what you preach. There are a number of uh, poignant, uh, vulnerable, uh, humble stories about, about occasional missteps in the book, which I appreciated. Um, Lisa, what, what has your career taught you uh, specifically about adversity?
1: Well, I think the best way I could say it is the title of one of our chapters, Adversity Builds Character. Mm. And I think when we face the different adversities, we're all going to face issues and trials and problems. And if we can face them and embrace them instead of running and trying to hide from them, we can learn a lot. If we face them head on, it requires a level of vulnerability that we might not otherwise be comfortable with. But we can then learn lessons to improve, and we can also share those lessons with others because we have found in a lot of conversations that we've had with others over the years The chances are that my problem might not be so unique to me. Somebody else has probably had it or is about to have it. And so, if you can learn from the different issues, whether it's a failing in a business, whether it's a lost business deal, there are any number of um, examples—a whole lot of examples—as you mentioned in the book. But if you can see what you can learn from them, have an open mind rather than. Oh, that was so painful. I'm so embarrassed. I just want to shut that up and move on. Mm. Makes a huge difference.
0: Well, as they look back, one thing that uh, Paula and Lisa say they missed out on early in their careers were mentors. Uh, Paula, what advice would you give uh, to anyone looking to to leverage this kind of relationship? And I'm assuming that for someone who's been in the workforce for quite a while, it's it's never too late, right?
2: Never too late. And it wasn't for Lisa and myself because mm. we never look. We we look back on our careers and we say, who who was our mentor? You know, who was our female mentor? And uh, neither of us could really say that there was that one or even two or three people uh, who we just counted on from the very early stages of our career. And I I think some of it is that women think that asking for help and advice uh, is a sign of weakness. And really, it just makes us stronger. And so Lisa and I, when we met in 2002, That was part of our connecting and serving each other is that we became co-mentors. So we really mentored each other as peers, and it made both of us um, stronger moving forward in our career. So my greatest advice to give anyone looking to leverage a relationship is not being afraid to ask for help and advice. And that goes back to the complimenting. You know, you're not competing it's not a weakness that you're asking for some advice and help. And so we encourage and we're seeing many more companies put together formal mentor programs because people are formally looking for them. I've heard of some some companies getting rid of their mentoring programs mm. and people are doing it behind the scenes now because the value of having a mentor that isn't judging you is going to help anyone's career. Mm.
0: Well, I know it certainly impacted... Uh, mine. I've been fortunate to have two or three along the way, uh, and then s- since leaving a regular job and working for myself, having what I call mastermind groups—you know, two or three people who, who are meeting virtually or in person to, to mentor one another. Were it not for those groups, um, I shudder to think where I would would be career-wise. Uh, they've been so so helpful and impactful to to my personal life and, and professional life as well. Well, I, I've covered a lot of the book. I, I don't imagine there's there's anything I've missed necessarily. But is there anything else? The two of you want to make sure that we know before I move on to some, some unrelated uh, questions?
2: I'll just say quickly, and, and you touched on it a little bit with the mentoring, but our last chapter is whom can I serve? Hmm. And it goes back to our serving and connecting, and we want everyone to think about not just yourselves, but who you can support and help. Right.
1: There's always somebody that a little something, even if you feel you're at a season of life that you maybe can't go volunteer at a charitable organization, but maybe you can offer a word of encouragement to someone who's younger along in their career than you. And I would say, take the time to make some meaningful connections. You mentioned it, Jeff, even with your mastermind group, but find people that you can make some meaningful connections with because it will help you. A long
0: way Yeah I totally agree and the thing I like that's sort of built into a mastermind group uh, there's a number of ways you could accomplish this but the, the, the sort of the built-in factor there is is you're meeting on a regular basis It's scheduled and you've carved out the time and you've made it an intentional priority uh, if you're doing it right that is and, and so that that feedback that encouragement that occasional prodding or challenge that comes on those things are happening regularly not just hit or miss. Well, uh, I want the two of you to think about a book or two that has been particularly impactful to you over the years, whether it's personally or professionally. What, what's one or two titles you would say really uh, sticks out and comes immediately to mind when you think of that impactful book?
2: I already shared Good to Great by Jim Collins, uh, mm. just a very uh, important book to me. And I would say the second one, one that I read more recently is Give and Take by Adam mm. And a lot of that comes even into the connections that you make and the mentoring and that the co-mentoring is that, you know, you, you can take, and there are a lot of people who are takers, but, you know, to have real relationships, you also have to be givers and uh, giving
1: to others. I would say an older book swim with the sharks without mm-hmm. being eaten alive is one that I still keep on the bookshelf from a long time ago. I would say more recently, the power of moments. The other two books that I keep and refer to frequently are The Red Sea Rules and Give Yourself a Break.
0: Mm. Yeah, you mentioned the power of moments. I'm actually reading that right now. I think I'm just uh, I got a couple of chapters to go. I, I lead a, a book club uh, of read to lead listeners called Read to Lead University, and that's our that's our current uh, selection. And uh, everybody is really enjoying that book. Well, public speaking is something the two of you do quite often, obviously, and is. Two who have done it for a long time and and, uh, successfully, I'd be curious to know uh, your tips on delivering an impactful and and memorable talk. Lisa, I'll I'll start with you. Anything to anything to offer there?
1: Um, Well, we try to be pretty conversational, and even when we're talking to groups of several hundred, we Mm -hmm. ask that there be microphones to be passed around so that we can answer questions. We find if we can get audience engagement, then hopefully we are hitting a little bit more directly on their particular interest and and hitting on things that they want to learn about. The second point I would make is stories. Being able to share stories in between us, we've got more than 60 years of stories to share. So illustrating the points we're making with actual stories.
2: And I think the stories get audiences comfortable with us because in our stories, we're very transparent Mm. and authentic. Sometimes a little silly, And we give um, (laughs) examples of singing and cooking and things of that nature in our talks. So we just try to make it real and try to have a story or even some something on stage that they will remember later and say, oh, yeah, they're the women who sang on stage. (laughs) I sang. (laughs) It would be
1: memorable if I sang on stage because it would have cleared out. They would have pulled a fire bell. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, stories, it's just making it real for people and giving them, you know, something to remember.
0: Something I did the first year or so of this podcast, I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it for a while, uh, but I used to add at the end of episodes, a little sort of uh, Easter egg where the, the podcast would end and there'd be about 10 seconds of silence. And if, if you were still listening, if you hadn't advanced the, the podcast to another one, you would begin hearing me just singing some random song acapella and I still get people occasionally ask me about that and why I don't do it anymore but it was just it was just weird it was just me being me and being corny and something I just thought I would throw in just to see if anybody was paying attention they were they were paying attention <laughs> so
2: we didn't we didn't corner the corny market <laughs> oh,
0: no by a long shot you did not I, I think I'm president of that one <laughs> well uh, the book is out today but, but I, I want to ask what's, what's next for you guys uh, if, if you know what are you and your team working on now that that you're excited about
1: we're keeping on working on just launch activities and spreading the word about our book and talking about whether or not there will be book two in the future <laughs> And just, you know, I'm fortunate to have a lot of speaking events coming up.
0: Well, again, the book is called Remember Who You Are, Achieve Success, Create Balance, Experience, Fulfillment. It's out today. And the authors are Paula Brown Stafford and Lisa T. Grimes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time and so appreciate your insights.
2: Thanks Thanks so much. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate being on your show.
0: For a shot at winning a free copy of Paula and Lisa's book, just go to the show notes page created just for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 205. There's just two steps you need to take. Step one is to share about this episode on social media. At the bottom of that show notes page is a pre-written tweet. You can send out just by clicking the tweet link at the bottom of the post, or you can copy and paste that. To Facebook or elsewhere if you prefer and then step number two simply leave a comment on the post letting me know why you'd like a copy of this book and the winner will be the person whose reason I find most compelling again that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 205 of course that's also where you'll find the links and resources pertinent to this episode including the books that Paula and Lisa recommended. Would love to have you as part of Read to Lead University my online book club where this month together we're reading Daniel Pink's new book When the Scientific Secrets of perfect timing. In fact, we'll meet later this month to talk about it live. If you want to participate find out more about it, just visit readtoleaduniversity.com. Thanks again to our sponsors making this episode possible, FreshBooks, with a free 30-day trial available to you, no obligation, and access to 100% of FreshBooks features free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash readtolead and enter readtolead in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks also to Gusto, a refreshingly easy payroll benefits and h HR solution for the modern small business where you no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. Sign up today and you get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.